Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights in the movie-making process. Hosted by people talking in the movie theater. Because I absolutely did pay 10 bucks to sit in the dark and listen to you. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Minnie's Haberdashery. Bring your steed and your appetite and leave your hat at the door at Minnie's Haberdashery. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. As a, a throw forward. Yeah. <laughs> I might start doing these little hints about future episodes. Yeah, I like it. And the headers, yeah. uh, as it allows. So this is a pestle where we like to not only discuss films, but we actually, actually try to look for, I don't know, interesting tidbits about the film itself, the movie-making process, story, character design, I don't know, any number of things, visual effects. Whatever stands out to us while we're watching this thing, which is kind of a roll of the dice every week. And the beautiful man across from me is Wes. That's right. I am Wes. <laughs> and I am Todd. You see, familiarity breeds contempt. <laughs> yes, yes. So Wes likes to, to bring the, um, uh, the more technical side to, uh, to the table here, uh, being a filmmaker and an actor and a writer and a producer. I'm gosh, can go on and on. Uh, and, and I like to take more of a all around kind of approach. Uh, I am a filmmaker myself, but, um, I just like movies, you know, and I'm able to shut it off when I watch a film and Wes is not able to do that. I, yeah, it's, I don't know what to call it. It's an obsession. I guess I'd have to say, but you know, the first time that I realized you really liked movies and I like was looked at you differently from the rest of uh, the people at, at our job. Cause we met at, you know, at the office right. and I was like, Oh no, Todd actually really likes movies. Um, was we were randomly talking one day, you know, at the water cooler, as I say, <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned, uh, let the right one in. Uh, yeah. I was like, Oh my God, no. <laughs> he likes movies yeah. <laughs> because that's the kind of film that I think a casual moviegoer might say is dry and uh, a little slow, but it's filled with so much rich character development and just a, a fantastic uh, delivery, you know, punchline, if you will. Um, Absolutely. And so that's I was funny. like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. And so you've had my respect for quite a long time and don't let him short shell, uh, short sell his, Filmmaking chops. He's a great producer, and obviously, uh, he he knows how to work the camera as well as anybody I know. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I've 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 been into movies for a long time, even before I knew I really was. Yeah, you know, I grew up watching a lot of TV just because I loved it, and I didn't know why. And the first movie I remember seeing was The Sunshine Boys that my oh my parents my let me see. It's yeah. like 1970s movie, <laughs> slapstick movie with George Burns and Walter Matthau. I know every line to it because I've seen it like 40 times. And it's it's a little racist nowadays. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it literally opens with like still painting images of them doing a minstrel show. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> so, they, I mean, they have these off-color moments. It's not that hardcore. Right, but. yeah, of course, of course. But it's, it's just... Uh, but as a kid, right? Carry, yeah, as a kid, I, I watched this and and it was so funny. I for some reason, uh, these two old men were like the funniest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> and then I was I would search for that or something that like that, feeling like that in other films and and what? Stuff, so. a, and I think as a filmmaker looking back, I'm like, man, that's a really wonderful way to get introduced to film is by watching Walter Matthau and George Burns. Yeah, you know, do their odd couple version. And yeah. just going at it because those are, you know, two heavyweights of, you know, film history. For yeah. Sure. And, you know, I saw The Odd Couple and I know we're getting a little off topic here, yeah. but uh, I did not like it as much as I liked. That's awesome. The Sunshine <laughs> yeah. Boys. I there's The Sunshine Boys was very real. There's no music in it. Mm-hmm. It's slapstick. Here's a joke. 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 <laughs> constantly. And it's it really centers around Walter Matthau. So I grew up loving him. Mm-hmm. Like he was the the man yeah. for me and it it just did it for me and i, I hadn't been able to find that in any other <laughs> that's any other awesome films. i grew up watching i mean nothing but movies i didn't really have access to cable growing up uh so almost everything i watched was was around the movie that someone else had taped <laughs> oh yeah and we had this friend that had this huge library of 
VH, uh, VHS tapes that had like two or three movies a piece and we could go over there and just grab them at will. Um, and sometimes we'd forget to return them. So I grew up watching just every old or sci-fi fantasy movie, a lot of B horror movies that I remember <laughs> very fondly that are just terrible. <laughs> <It was> <laughs> so <laughs> bad. <laughs> anyway, so today we're doing Spider-Man homecoming. Um, so if you haven't seen it, you should be aware that there are a lot of spoilers coming your way. This is all the spoilers, all the spoilers. We're going to get really deep in the film. We'll talk about good villains, uh, the failures, I think, of Marvel. Uh, we'll also talk about epic failures as a story device. Those are two separate types of failures we're discussing. Yay. <laughs> uh, and a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. But and along the way, I'm sure we'll reference other films, but don't worry, we're not going to be spoiling those. Uh, because personally, I don't really think spoiler, spoilers have an expiration date. Like I think yeah. about some classic films like Citizen Kane. That was made over 75 years ago. And if I had watched that for the first time knowing uh, the story – that would have completely ruined one of the best films in of all time. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really believe in my bones. Like, uh, there's real no no real expiration date. You know, there's a little leeway because certain films are just so generally known that I think there's there's you know there's grace in there. Sixth Sense. Right. Well, <laughs> even that one, I definitely wouldn't say that one I on know. the air. But yeah. Um, I was actually talking to a buddy who used to be a projectionist, um, our yeah. friend Drew. Yeah. And he would talk about, that was when he was doing it. He was a projectionist during Sixth Sense. And every time he said he would go down uh, at a certain point in the movie and open the door just to hear the audience's reaction. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. That's like the power of film. And yeah. I think we'll get into that actually a little bit um, later. And so, yeah, if you um, haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming... Be forewarned. Go check it out. Come back. Yep. And with that, we'll give you a little synopsis. So, as we all know, the Peter Parker, uh, he balances his life as an ordinary high school student in Queens with his superhero alter ego, Spider-Man, and finds himself on the trail of a new menace prowling the skies of New York City. It's directed by John Watts. It's written by a bunch of dudes named John and Chris, and I think there's one Eric in there. Yeah. Uh, there's always an Eric. Uh, it's starring Tom Hollard as Peter Parker, Michael Keaton as the Vulture, uh, Marissa Tomei as May, Laura Harrier as Liz, John Favreau as Happy, Zendaya as Michelle, and Jacob Batalon as Ned. Look, man. These guys are selling weapons that are crazy dangerous. They can't just be out on the streets. Look, if one of them can just cut Delmar's bodega in half, imagine... No Delmar's. Yeah, the best sandwich in Queens. Subhaven's pretty good. Well, it's too much bread. I like bread. Come on, man, please. Stupid interrogation mode, Karen. Don't ever do that again. The other night you told that dude, if you're going to shoot somebody, shoot me. It's pretty ballsy. I don't want those weapons in this neighborhood. I got a nephew who lives here. Who are these guys? What can you tell me about the guy with the wings? Other than he's a psychopath dressed like a demon, nothing. I don't know who he is or where he is. I do know where he's gonna be. Really? Yeah, this crazy dude I used to work with. He's supposed to be doing a deal with him. Yes! Yes! Hey, 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 hey! I didn't tell you where. You don't have a location. Right, of course. Yeah, my bad, silly. Just, yeah. Where is it? Can I give you some advice? Hmm? You gotta get better at this part of the job. I don't understand. I'm intimidating. It's Staten Island Ferry, 11. Oh, that's soon. Hey, that's gonna dissolve in two hours. No, 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 no. Come fix this. Two hours. You deserve that. I got ice cream you in here. You deserve that. Man. You're a criminal. Bye, Mr. Criminal. <laughs> you deserve that. <laughs> Bye, criminal. Mr. Criminal. I got ice cream in here. <laughs> so good. I love that Donald Glover got into this because yeah. um, he had a big petition going around by fans to make him Spider-Man. Um, Why didn't that happen? That's a really good question. I, I don't have a good answer. I, I would mm-hmm. assume maybe it's age-based. Like mm-hmm. they wanted yeah, you know yeah. someone oh, yeah. that was in high school. Um, yeah. And – if they were doing this maybe 10 years ago instead, uh, I think he would have had a much better shot. But I love that he still was included in the film and that he accepted it. Uh, yeah. 
because I don't know. To me, I'm thinking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm a well-known actor. I might want to hold out for like a better role, right? Yeah, a meteor recurring person. Uh, so I always love it whenever I see really good actors take these uh, kind of bit roles and kill it because. He's like, and so that line where he's like, "You got to get better at this part of the job." Yeah, <laughs> I love that he's giving him advice. Yeah. You know, almost like uh, the would-be Spider-Man talking to the one who got his job. <laughs> like, and his delivery of that line is perfect. Oh, he's so good. It's, yeah, he's got that scruff, and he's got this lazy, high look on him all the time. Yeah, it's a, it's a great version of him. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched his the the thing that he broke out on was like the Mystery Boys. It, or something like 10 years ago, he, he made his own film. And I, from the trailer, I remember seeing the trailer back in like 2007 and I passed it around. I I never pass around trailers, but I passed it around to some of my friends and I was like, this looks like mediocre production value, but the writing and the acting is so good. And so from there, you know, playing this kind of hijinks high schooler to community, which I am a huge fan of community and I'm still waiting on six seasons and a movie um (laughs) and then doing atlanta which is incredible like i just have a world of respect for him and his attitude of taking on this role like i just i mean that's a completely side point to this whole (laughs) episode but i'm just a really big fan of him and i love i love what he did with it it. was great i it's one of my favorite uh scenes in the movie so good definitely what so what did you like about this? I remember I'd already seen it. I caught it in the theater, yeah. and you were Spider-Man'd out. You were kind of marveled out. You didn't want to go check it out. Yeah. Um, and then you finally, like last week. Yeah, a couple weeks ago so, I watched it. Weeks, yeah, okay. then we watched it again last night. Right. right. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it the first time I watched this. I The, um, the fact that you don't have to see the origin – of him was so refreshing. <laughs> like I know he gets bitten by a stupid spider. I get it. I don't. You don't need to spend twenty minutes telling me that. And they didn't. It was great. He just already was Spider Man. It was awesome. I love the little the little things like um, uh, Captain America being in all those PSAs, uh, <laughs> which was just great, and they were hilarious. I liked the fact that and spoiler uh, MJ. Mm-hmm. Is there the whole time, but she's not the love interest in the film. Totally got me. It got me the second it, time I watched it, honestly. Yeah, like <laughs> like and and then at the and then in the end you find out she's that's MJ. Oh man. Okay. They are they're they're thinking about this. They're trying to like to to tell a different a different sequence of story of Spider Man. Like, yeah, and, you know? and yeah, and I love that they called it Homecoming, obviously, because Marvel finally got the rights back to Spider-Man. Yeah, and so it's him coming back to his rightful place. Um, because if if anyone's going to treat him with respect and his story with respect, it's going to be you know Marvel, who uh, obviously are more invested in the life of their characters than someone who's just trying to make a quick buck. Even though in some ways I still think Marvel's making a lot of quick bucks, but I think they're still doing it with a, a lot more integrity than most comic book you know, factories um, that are out there churning out superhero movies. Uh, so, yeah, I really love the titling. I love that aspect. And I love, too, that it's not an origin story, but it is. And I was thinking about this earlier today because I was trying to figure out, just kind of chewing on it, what is this movie kind of talking about? You know, what's what's its theme? And it occurred to me, yeah, it's not as superhero origin story, but it's a coming of age story effectively. I mean, it's kind of right, yeah. And in, in, in a way, it's lightly hidden just because you're you're in costume and you're you know superpowers and whatnot, so it doesn't feel quite as obvious. But the whole film, right? He's just trying to prove himself. Yeah, he's trying to do all the right things and trying to be, trying to be a hero, and he wants to be included, you know, by Tony and Tony Stark and uh, the Avengers crew, and he's just kind of struggling the whole time to come to grips with his place in the world and and to mature because even as he's he's wrestling with that, right? Uh, there's this line whenever they they reach DC and he pulls out the uh, the tracking device and. They find his buddy Ned finds the uh, 
the protocol. What do they call it? Uh, training wheels protocol. And he's like, yeah, probably because he thinks you're a kid. And as he's saying, like, but I'm not a kid. Like, he jumps up and starts bouncing on the, the bed. The bed. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so in every way, he doesn't realize how childlike he is still and how much he still has to grow up and mature. And I think that's kind of a really clever way to address an origin story is by switching what what's originating here, which is uh, him being a, an adult and a man, so to speak, you know, yeah. uh, even though, I mean, he's still 15 at the end of it or what have you, he's still making very mature decisions, right? He walks away from the Avengers. That's a big yeah. thing. Like yeah. that's, that was his whole means to an end uh, this whole time. Like that was why he was t- trying to take on all these missions and responsibilities so that he could get into the Avengers and be a part of the group. And at the end of it, he, he had the wherewithal to say, you know what? I'm not ready, which, you know, ironically basically means that he is ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that. Um, you know, one thing though, that I, I kind of, you know, was hoping a little was that there would be, you know, you, you talk about it being a coming of age, a story well he messes up a lot you know and he he screws up and everything uh but there the there's not really any consequences for it he loses his suit but he gets it back in the end and i would have liked to see like a little bit more weight to his to his decisions to do things that tony tells him not to do <laughs> right you know um so like m- maybe Tony doesn't save the 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 ferry. Ooh. You know? Yeah. Or may- maybe that's a little heavy. Um it's probably a little heavy for this film. <laughs> maybe. But, I think I mean, I think that's a really great idea actually. Like even Tony couldn't save it. He, it's a valiant effort and they save everyone. Yeah, right. But the ferry itself still goes down. Yeah, you know, something that to carry into something where like I I don't know I don't know I'm not gonna write rewrite the movie right, but, right, right. but like um, just just something that can carry into the next film um, to give it a little bit more weight because the next film is gonna need more weight it's mm-hmm. gonna need a better villain too if we are being honest with each other I mean I don't know if you want to get into the villain part yeah. yet but um, what uh, what didn't you like about Vulture uh. Uh, there's this there's something about a villain that is only strong because a piece of machinery hmm. against a superhero that I just don't like. Like um I I liked Spider-Man 2. That's the original Spider-Man yeah, that 2. That was my favorite. It was fantastic. Yeah. I hated um Doc Ock. Doc Ock. Yeah. I, I did not like him as a villain at all. Um, but I liked the movie and the same with this. Like I liked this movie. I just didn't like the villain. I don't like, I just, there's, there's just something about a, you know, two massive forces where, you know, are, are very equal going against each other. Um, but if one is dependent upon a, a, you know, these metal wings, you know, or, or Mm -hmm. metal arms, it's different than if they were to have their own superpowers, you know, and just like Spider-Man does or like Superman does or, or whatever. Batman is different because he, he's just strong and he has all these things so he can fight other, other villains that are just strong and have all of these, these toys as well. So I suspect now I grew up and I collected comics. I didn't really read them. I'm, I would spend time at like half price books, um, in College Station with my brother, Justin, who did read them as well as collect them. And so I would just see him collecting comics and I would collect like all the Batmans. I would get every Batman that was on the shelf and almost read none of them. He collected all the Spider-Mans. And I, that's how I knew about Vulture being an actual character is because he was on the cover of some of those things. And what strikes me, so that's an interesting dilemma, I think, because Every comic character has their own unique devices that's in their world. Spider-Man's abilities derive from science, right? They, they derive from the, the radioactive spider that was being developed or whatever. Um, and so likewise, all his 
villains are going to have that same core principle of it's derived from science. Whatever superpower they end up having is going to be derived from science. Uh, similar to uh, Tony Stark, right? Uh, Iron Man. They're all probably going to have some version of Iron Man-y-ness <laughs> to them. And so, yeah, what I really love – so I personally really love this uh, this villain for a number of reasons. Maybe I, I couldn't order him, but one of the things I loved was that most people don't know who the Vulture is. Yeah. And I love that Marvel's like – they did two things with this that past franchises haven't done. Which is, like you already said, they, they killed off the origin story. Like, he just exists. We know it. Whatever. But then they also went with an unknown villain. It's like Batman every time having to fight the Joker. Like, it's easy because it's already an established property. People are familiar with him. And right. with that, I think, personally, yeah, it's easier dollars. But it's poor storytelling because we're not going to get to explore his character quite as well as we are with someone that we're not familiar with. And so I like that air of mystery. And I love Vulture because he exemplifies in a lot of ways, maybe not perfectly, but in a lot of ways what I think makes for a great villain, which is smart bad guys, smarter heroes. You know, that's a having good bad guys means that your character is going to fail a lot. Like your hero is going to be constantly failing, which obviously Peter Parker does in spades. Like he fails the entire film. I don't think he has any real wins other than the Washington Monument. He saves him. Um, but even in that sense, it was his failure that necessitated the saving in the first place. Right. Um, and similar, like he saves Vulture at the very end, but it was only after he got his ass kicked. <laughs> like, he yeah. never wins. Yeah. Uh, anytime it looks like he's going to win, even um, like the he stops that airplane engine when he's about to get sucked in. He's like, yeah, you know, that worked. But then it f- collapses and it falls through. Like yeah. every time it looks like he's going to win, um, he gets something bad happens. Something bad befalls him. And it, it to me, it harkens back to one of the most beloved heroes of all time, uh, Indiana Jones. Like if you go with this thought in your head to watch Indiana Jones movies, you will notice that he just constantly fails. Like he is just, yeah. uh, but he's still, it's his intelligence and his wits that ultimately makes him such a great character. Um, Spider-Man there. So there's a couple things that bother me, uh, with, so one of his failures is he gets knocked out, right? He knocks himself out, and then he gets trapped in the vault, the warehouse. And then later he gets trapped under a building, um, thinking that he's getting the best of Vulture, which is a great moment. We'll come back to that. I um, did like that. Yeah. But one of the failures, I feel like, of Marvel, um, or of this universe specifically, is he gets hurt at random. Mm-hmm. You know, like... He bonks his head and gets a concussion, but can take a punch that throws him across the room or has a building collapse on him. Or, you know, he can destroy a bus with his body because he got punched so hard, but he can't jump into the top of a a van. That doesn't make sense. And the van doesn't even dent or anything yet. You know, five minutes later, he's bursting it through the doors or 20 seconds later when he wakes up, like he just bust through those doors like they're nothing like that just those i mean that's a it's nitpicky don't get me wrong um but those little story inconsistencies can irk me a little bit because i'm i want to buy into the universe that you're creating and sometimes when you violate that uh it's just annoying yeah yeah (laughs) um but the other failure is he can't (laughs) He's climbing the Washington Monument. Why doesn't he use his webs? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's your thing, bro. <laughs> it's what you do. <laughs> yeah. You can leverage some motion, you know, to yeah. to climb that thing much faster than 10 minutes. Was he out? No, he wasn't out of his webs because he used them when he got in. Yep. I don't know. And so it's just a considering the gravity of the moment, like it's a weird and that those little plot devices uh are irksome to me. Whereas his other failures I think 
reveal character, like you said, the choices that he's making in spite of the advice that he's been given, I think reveal character and create tension. And maybe to your point, like I agree, like there could have been more consequences for it, but I just appreciate seeing someone fail over and over and over again. And, and that also roots from having a, a, a great villain. Surprised? Oh, hey, Pete. I didn't hear you come in. It's over. I've got you. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, Pete, I really, really admire your grit. I see why Liz likes you. I do. When you first came to the house, I wasn't sure. I thought, really? But I get it now. How could you do this to her? To her? I'm not doing anything to her, Pete. I'm doing this for her. Huh. Yeah. <sighs> Peter. You're young. You don't understand how the world works. Yeah, but I understand that selling weapons to criminals is wrong. How do you think your buddy Stark paid for that tower? Or any of his little toys? Those people, Pete, those people up there, the rich and the powerful, they do whatever they want. Guys like us? Like you and me? They don't care about us. We build their roads and we fight all their wars and everything. They don't care about us. We have to pick up after them. We have to eat their table scraps. That's how it is. I know you know what I'm talking about, Peter. Why are you telling me this? Because I want you to understand. And I need a little time to get her airborne. Sorry, Peter. What are you talking about? That thing hasn't even touched me yet. True. Then again, wasn't really trying to. How good is Michael Keaton in this? Yeah, it's perfect. I've absolutely loved his resurgence as a a big name actor yeah, and it's so well-deserved. And I, th- I feel like there's probably a lot of these actors out there, right. That are just wildly talented that they lose their moment or they start picking bad roles or maybe they just don't get offered the good roles. Um, and he's so, so wildly talented because he got, you know, known for being Batman, which is what Birdman is hard, you know, very largely playing on. And, he got into a rut. Like, how do you break out of being Batman, being typecast? And he ended up doing a bunch of bad comedies and who knows what else before finally doing Birdman and this and Spotlight and some other films. And he's just been killing it. And I love this character um, so much because he's a he's a blue collar guy. Mm-hmm. Like at the very beginning, right? He's just trying to help and do a really good job in this cleanup, you know, construction gig. And then there's this, I don't know if you, I guess government interference uh, kind of kicks him off, which is funny because, I mean, he was, it was still a government contract job. So like the Ron Swanson in me is like, oh, so you can't live off the government's tea anymore. <laughs> you just want to <laughs> become a public thief then. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, just humorously. But I, I love that the uh, there's a social commentary running through here. Even if I don't agree with it, I appreciate that they layered it in, in uh in an interesting and and honest way. He's having this this moment because he's a smart villain. He he knows that he needs to buy himself a minute, and he uses it with his wit and his intelligence. Like oh, I got the best of him, and even then, Spider-Man still doesn't know what's happening. He's in the middle of it. And I think that all stems from just really good writing, strong writing, good character development, strong understanding of what makes for a good villain. You don't think that his backstory is weak? I feel like it's so weak. Like, So he got his job taken away from him. And all the people that were... So what? Like, yeah, that sucks, but... Then you become this ultra villain, like because that happens. I don't. I don't know. I just don't buy it. Like if something, hmm. okay, I could. I could understand. Maybe he starts it. You know, he starts doing that stuff. Of course. You know, like yeah, you need to make money, so you're gonna, you're gonna 
you know, start a black market with all of with all of the the alien uh, technology. That's smart. Yeah, sure. But why does it have to be like life and death? You know what I mean? Hmm. He was just a he was just a a contract guy before. But all of a sudden, he's this ultra villain that's like killing his own guys unintentionally. Uh, yeah, but he didn't care. <laughs> yeah, that's like true. let's just be honest, he was fine with it. <laughs> um, uh, and it just it was it went from zero to sixty like way, mm-hmm. you know, like pretty immediate and uh, without any kind of like like personal, really personal reason. Yeah, I think you know. they're they're largely relying on the the social consciousness of America, right? I mean, we're we've seen if yeah. you talk about eight years ago, post you know the the housing collapse and recovering markets, it's very much relying on us sympathizing with that. Yeah, uh, which is a good place to start in terms of you want if you're going to make a truly good you know villain. You want us to sympathize with them on some level, even though, like you said, we do end up in the red zone of like, yeah, we can't go there with you, buddy. We want Spider-Man to win, which yeah. is also where you want your your villain to go. So, yeah, but, I think you have a really good point. I don't think you're you're not wrong. <laughs> well, what about like, what if what if? And I, again, I don't want to rewrite the movie, but yeah, what if Liz died because she disappears? She leaves at the end of the movie. They mm-hmm. go to Portland or whatever. So what if she died and it was because of Spider-Man? He doesn't. Now he save has her. a now he has a reason. Now he has a reason to do some like intense stuff. Like, you know, and hate Spider-Man and want to kill him. The only reason he wants to kill Spider-Man is cuz Spider-Man wants to take away wants to stop him from from doing these illegal things. Right? And ostensibly like put him in jail. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. not. It's just it's just yeah. for a superhero movie. That's not enough for me. You know, I need something heavy, and, mm. and and maybe that's too heavy for this because it is. It is also a little campy. Oh, the for second sure. time I watched this, the first time I watched it, I was like, I just chalk it up to okay, they're in high school. Yeah. Second time I watched it, I was like, that's really annoying. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I'm 37, <laughs> watching a bunch of high school kids. Uh, no, that's definitely not it because it's been done well. You know, high school acting has been done well. And and I just don't these moments of them are super annoying to me. And it, so it just doesn't give him give him enough weight in in the film doesn't give the villain enough weight to do the extreme things that he does. Whose acting didn't you like? <laughs> it wasn't okay. Let, let me also say it wasn't that I didn't like anybody's acting. Mm, okay, I, I liked, I did, I liked it. It was just moments. Mm. And now that you're asking me for the moments, I can't not sure, tell no, you. But, but there were a few moments where I just thought, oh man, that hurts. That's brutal. All of the moments with Peter Parker are awesome. Tom is Tom Holler, Holland is fantastic as as spider-man i I loved him yeah i now really want to think of one for you and i can't think of one but anyway there's there are these moments where it just feels really like campy is fine you know high school is fine but super high school is not there are so many like funny moments that i enjoyed that didn't pull me out of it uh all the give me one and i'll tell you if that's one of them okay how about the the news anchors in school. Oh, that was fantastic. That was excellent. All right. But that wasn't high school. That was like, <laughs> that was, that was adult swim. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't this deadpan. Yeah. Just humor. like, uh, are you going to the dance? Yes. And you have the flickering no. green screen, yeah. and the bad camera movement. Like. That's, Oh, that, I mean, that's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of YouTube videos. That's okay. Um, yeah. I loved the, this is your chance, Peter kiss her like the conversation uh with with karen at that moment um in front of everyone after right after a traumatic experience she's like go for it (laughs) that was great that was great which i was really surprised uh that jennifer connelly was voicing i know suit lady that's crazy (laughs) freaking amazing (laughs) she killed it yeah i love the uh outside the washington monument when zen uh MJ doesn't want to go up 
you know, into it. She's yeah. like, yeah, I don't really want to explore a monument that was basically built by slaves. Yeah. He's like, this wasn't really built by slaves. And the employee kind of gives him that hand gesture like, eh, it kind of was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that killed me. Yeah. Um, That's great. The and this goes back to the uh, the news anchors. They have this line that is just so good right after the mon- monument scene when they're like the, and it's all you know super dry monotone. The academic decath- decathlon team won the national tournament. Later that day, they also defeated death. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So good. Um, and MJ's little moment in class. I just like coming here to sketch people in crisis. You know? Yeah. <laughs> She's drawing. She's the, fantastic. Detention. Yeah. She is amazing. I'm like, really excited to see what they do with her. Yeah. Um, you know what I also really thought was hilarious in a meta way was the, uh, the moment they're in the middle of a fight and he gets punched into the bus and he looks up and he sees the, uh, the gum under the seat. Uh, and I think that's just so funny because that's a really well known trope, you know, in high school or in kids in general, sticking gum under their desk or under chairs. But it's also uh, reflective of Spider-Man himself because he's leaving his webbing everywhere all over the city uh, that people are having to deal with and clean up after. I didn't think about that. (laughs) I think that's freaking hysterical, and I think it's a very meta joke that they put in there. I don't know. I'm sure there are some jokes in there that I roll my eyes out. Like, I don't really like the, uh, the guy in the chair jokes um or i mean i don't think they're really meant to have a a laugh but just to kind of make you endeared towards ned his sidekick Um, the 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 kid that's his um i guess it's flash flash he wasn't funny he was annoying he was super annoying all of the interactions with him and anyone else it just yeah it was flat horrible it was really flat the only thing he did that i i really like was when they're at the house party mocking spider-man and he keeps keeps hitting the buzzer Uh, you like that that just kills me i think that's hilarious because i find it funny in an ironic way because i've been to clubs where they just kind of keep wearing that thing out um so i just think they're making fun of those yeah moments uh that's the way i read it and that's why it just cracks me up yeah it's corny (laughs) and it's hilarious to me all right i'll give you that one (laughs) i can't i mean no other real comedic punches come to mind i think there is some (laughs) some b-level writing that happens or maybe b-level delivery that as they're talking about the avengers in gym class and the girls are kind of fawning over oh god that's so annoying yeah i was like eh I mean, that's, I guess it's high school, but it's just, yeah, kind of eye roll inducing. There is one moment that I actually, it might be my favorite in the, in the whole movie. That's so great. Immediate response. I love it. The editing and that comedic timing is just freaking excellent. Yeah. And then, you know, he does a flip. He's like doing... It's like a monkey. Yeah. (laughs) Trained monkey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of humor that obviously works. And I'm sure if we were to sit down and you start pointing, I'm like, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Especially with Flash, which is funny because he's a really good actor if you go and watch... uh, the Buda- Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh yeah, right. No, he's great in that. Excellent, right? Um, and so, and in really funny. Although, I mean, Wes Anderson has his own. It's a totally different kind yeah, of acting. Yeah, <laughs> your puppets in Wes Anderson's world. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but overall, I think there's you know a lot of really good, honest high school portrayal, and maybe they dialed it up to like an eleven to exaggerate some of it. You know, with the news anchors, that's not literally what happens in high school, but it's the funnier version of what happens in high school. Yeah, uh, for sure. So what are your epic failures? So that is going back to Spider-Man, you know, knocking himself out and um, getting trapped in a vault. And I think that's just a really clever way of driving the story forward in a meaningful way, because I hate planned moments that. You know, the the guy's getting all the clues at the right time. But that's one of the things that kind of bothers me about timing with uh, with Marvel and with this movie in specific. 
I just I hate coincidence um, as a tactic in storytelling, and the coincidence in this film is just it's so smooth that you don't really get a chance to dwell on it. But having the prom be the same night as the big heist was just like that's that's a little convenient, you know. And how does he find Daniel Glover or Donald Glover? Uh, that made a little bit more. I mean, it's still you know like coincidental. He sees the explosion from their gun gunplay. No, no. I mean later. Oh, that's a fair. Uh, I don't remember in the I, parking garage. Yeah, I don't exactly remember. I feel like he reviewed videotape because he he had all the videotape and he tracked him down using. I don't know Tony Stark's database of stuff. I don't know. Honestly. No, he had he had like partial plate memory of the plate of the van. Okay, not of not of him, not of Donald Glover. Nothing. Okay, of his. I don't remember that specific part. Yeah, I suspect maybe somebody out there knows something. Yeah, I don't know. but I I totally agree. I totally right? agree. It's, it that drives me nuts. That stuff really kills it me. It does not happen in real life. Don't yeah, tell it to me. I mean. You got to take some liberties. I get it. But. I am. I am always any superhero movie. You you've heard me say this before, and I'll always say it. I I do not like stuff that is impossible to happen. It mm. does not happen in real life. Even if it's superhero, even if it's Spider Man, even if it's Superman, even if it's something that does not exist, it still exists in this world. And you're trying to tell me that in this world, coincidence happens and he saves the day. Yeah. That's garbage. And I don't want that in my movie. I want real. Yeah. Give me real. Yeah. And, and I'm still waiting for it. I mean, we've talked, Logan is the closest that we've got, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a fun movie, but I mean, I'm after seeing it twice. I mean, I have the second to, time killed it for you. I have to give it like a, like a six, wow. maybe, maybe a six and a half. I mean, actually I'll give it a six and a half, Dang. a hard six and a half yeah. um, on a good day, a seven, but it just, because of that, because it, yeah. just what you said, yeah. the coincidence, just what you said, like this, the, these things just happening without any kind of, of why. And it's supposed to be fun. And I think that they, they made it with the idea of we're going to make a fun Spider-Man and that's great. That's awesome. But that's just not what that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know what I would give it. Honestly, I'm, I'm debating. I mean, well, you got to give it something. Yeah. It would, it, it ranges between a seven and the eight. Normally I'm so used to rating on Netflix's old rating system, five star that I try to think a four is something that I definitely want to watch again, but and eight, had, not necessarily. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm stuck probably like a seven, seven and a half if we're going with the half steps. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah it's in that range. So I was just kind of gasping at your take and I was like, yeah, I'm not too far away though. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, that's yeah. not that far. <laughs> um, but the thing that I love that they're doing in this film that I don't think Marvel does a good job of in general is they have effective bad guys. It's not just an onslaught of useless bodies to beat up. It's so like you have your head guy, you have Vulture, you have his top man, you have uh, the Shocker, and that's really it. They don't ever, he never has to face and beat up anybody else, and I love that we can put faces on our villains in a very tactile way, and that their punches land and they they need to be defeated, and it's not just this. Oh, let's choreograph a crazy fight fight sequence. Um, for the sake of having a crazy fight sequence, um, and now we need thirty extras. You know, <laughs> that drives me crazy. But what I don't like that they're doing, and this is Hollywood, you know, writ large right now, is there's an abundance of CGI with Spider-Man himself, and we've gotten to that place for sure. That it's just like, oh yeah, that's CGI, and I know it, and I'm accepting it for the sake of enjoying the movie and getting into the story. Now, maybe there's just never going to be a good way to do all the crazy stuff that Spider-Man is able to do. And that's fine, but Mm-mm. there's just I, – I want more – I mean, not too far away from what you're saying. Like, Give me, give me more – ground me a little bit more. I want to see, especially with the fight sequences, the action sequences, if we can build a little bit more reality into that. Uh, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of that. I think Tom, Tom Holland is 
incredible, you know, physically. He has, a, I guess, an acrobatic history. I don't know his, his deal, but I've seen behind-the-scenes stuff of his audition even, and I'll post it in the, uh, the show notes. He's crazy, you know, acrobatic, uh, you know, standing flips, all that stuff. And so I just feel like they could have utilized that maybe just a touch more. Um, though, I mean, they blur it well enough to where that I'm not always sure what CGI, but that maybe that's not always good <laughs> because now you, you may be showing me something that's real. And I'm like, yeah, you've blurred you that line so real, much. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I don't yeah. even appreciate it. it. You know that you bring up a good, interesting point. Like I wonder what a real life Spider-Man, you know, story would look like. You know, if you did no CGI or if you did CGI, but just very little, like maybe the webs are CGI, but like all the movement isn't. So you'd have to rely on. So if they're climbing the wall, you'd have to rely on building a flat set, you Mm -hmm. know, or um, and camera camera angles and stuff. And, you know, we've had so many. You said earlier, I'm so Spider-Man out. (laughs) I really am. Like, I don't need to see these grandiose shots of him flying through the city. I've seen that before. Maybe yeah, it's not I, wowing me. No, what would wow me is if I know there's no CGI. Is if I know this is a person doing whatever it is they're doing, and it could be just slightly more than what a normal human being would be able to do. Maybe they can jump 15 feet. You know, yeah. You just use cabling. You know, right. like and you really do it. Um, or or maybe you can, um, like I said, climb walls or or what he's really strong whatever but that would be an interesting thing to see it'd be very hard to make and it would probably be very expensive but i mean it's cgi is expensive too yep so uh, i think it would come at the cost of having a better pre-production plan yeah and you rely just a little bit less on cg yeah and the studio would have to really trust whoever's doing it which is tough i definitely understand for marvel because of the sheer volume of films that they're creating that all tie in with one another yeah you know this ties into the new avengers in some way whether it's Oh, we have a new building and we're transporting all our stuff from the old Avengers building to the new Avengers building. This has to take place between those films. It's not like you can delay it six months. And so I understand that they have really tight scheduling requirements. And I mean, I can appreciate that, but I am completely in, in your camp. Like if you can, if you can do those things you're talking about with building practical sets, uh, a little bit more cable flying and jumping, then you do sink us that much further into the story and the tension becomes that much higher watching, you know, you can see this in uh, the trailer for inception, watching those guys running down the hallway as it, as they're being thrown around it. That's thrilling, man. Yeah. You know, and Nolan has a very deep love of, you know, building practical things. And I would just love to see more of that, you know, fleshed out and, and utilized in other other areas i have no doubt i mean if i were to sit down and go through a bunch of superhero movies that i would come across some really fantastic you know practical shots that are like wow that was really difficult but really worth it i think we can definitely i mean even scott pilgrim just from a few weeks ago like that's basically exactly what we're talking about (laughs) that is yeah yeah i mean it's covered in cgi but like but it's it's video it's all game enhancing. CGI. Yeah, it's it's enhancing. Perfect. You're supposed to know yeah. that this is yeah this is video game language. We're not actually trying to fool you here. Yeah. Um, whereas here, yeah, that's all they're trying to do is give us these wide cityscapes and him running around crazy. So, yeah, I I'm very much on your. You know me. So I, I talked you down to a seven and a half. I think you talked me down <laughs> to a seven. Oh, hey. Yeah. We're even closer now. Yeah, I know. Look at that. What were you originally? Maybe an eight? Maybe. If if I had stopped after my first viewing, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because this is – it is popcorn. It's campy. It's cotton candy. Mm, and Popcorn. <laughs> and I love it for that. You know, I, I think that there's a really good place for that, and I, I, I can certainly appreciate that. But this, I mean, one of our past episodes, I always do these intros, you know, making, sometimes I make a little commentary about filmmaking in general. And, and one of these I did, I was like, 
this show is brought to you by Marvel, you know, where every movie is served with a side of ketchup. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what it is. It's fast food dining, but I also think it's slightly, well, maybe not even slightly much better fast food dining than the average superhero movie for sure. Sure. Like give me this over DC films. Oh God. Any day of the week. Yeah. 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 Agreed. It's not even close. They're thinking about storytelling and they're thinking about, clever villains and they're thinking about how do we make a villain so good that we can't defeat him that the villain has to defeat himself because that's effectively what happens spider-man just goes in and just keeps throwing monkey wrenches into the machine until it breaks (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) that's all he does and that's how he he you know quote-unquote wins and so i can appreciate that Mm -hmm. uh but you know what i really want is for DC to give me the dark detective story where we have Batman who's trying to crack a case, you know, who's trying to solve something and it takes his wits more than it takes his brawn Mm -hmm. and his money. And I feel like Marvel hasn't given us that yet either, but I think they're more likely to. And so I don't know where I was going, but I just, (laughs) no, we were talking about the difference between Marvel and, I like the, some saving grace of, of yeah. the film. Yeah. And you know what this they do here that I can't remember seeing anywhere else is that whole section of Peter Parker running around the city. It begins right with him changing outfits. Yeah. He he clam, you know stumbles down the alley and he's trying to get into a Spidey suit. I love that moment. God, it's good. We've never really seen a, a character trying to get into their suit and yeah. just murdering it. <laughs> yeah, just perfect. <laughs> And then he goes from there to just completely ruining everyone's day. Yeah. <laughs> like he, I'm not even and, sure that guy stole that bike. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, let's talk about that for just a second. I know we've been ta- we've been going on this for a while. We'll end it in a minute. But let's talk about just a second. When we were watching it the second time the other night, I said, I said, this is actually really awesome. He's looking for people to help. He's looking for bad guys. And he can't find any in in this city that's supposed to be, you know, really bad. There's supposed to be villains all over the place. He can't find any just like, you know, there's a lot of cops out there that most of their day is sitting around, you know, like it's boring. Yeah, it's boring. It's, it's not as exciting as all of the, you know, so uh, the, the previous Spider-Mans that just happen to always be villains doing crazy stuff or bad stuff like right there where he is. And this isn't like that. It's, it's pretty real in that regard. And I love that. I love that tedium. And he's constantly updating happy. Yeah. He with, him. He's with eating, every coffin burp, right? Yeah, and he's eating a sandwich. He's, and he's like on the phone. Yeah. And he's like, helped an old lady with her groceries. She gave me a churro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Really good. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I, the writing is, pretty good in points and and the storytelling is pretty good in points too yeah, yeah i i have qualms but overall i'll take you know several more of these over one more justice league which maybe it's going to be good i i would bet all my money that it's just going to be garbage yeah probably and that's okay it happens no it's not it okay it happens all the time that's the problem that is the problem it's not like yeah it's a whole nother conversation. So I'll end with two more notes uh, on the camera work. I I don't really like Marvel movies with this idea in mind just because they have a style guide that they're handing all their directors that you got to use these colors and this is going to be your color grade and this is going to be uh, the types of shots we need. Here's the coverage you're going to have to give us. And I think it's one of those things that ultimately ended their relationship with Joss Whedon. But there's a couple things they do in this film that I thought were smart and really good use, which is the first one was there's this wonder as Spidey crawls back inside and we see him slowly open the window and he crawls along the ceiling. He drops down. He's waiting to see, you know, his Aunt May watching slowly closes the door. And then we continue turning to reveal his buddy Ned was on the bed watching this whole time. Like that's a really great way to introduce uh, a hidden reveal. I think Shyamalan does this really well, actually. And if you watch a lot of his films, he does this really, he, he knows how to reveal a, a special moment 
very, very well. And this is one of those moments that they do so smartly because right now you're really watching for for A and you get surprised by B. Like you're you're looking for Aunt May to only to realize, oh, there was someone else here the entire time. Yeah. Um and they do that by stretching that moment as long as possible with an unbroken cut, which are which are really hard to do, but I think they probably utilize some some CG to help the effort. <laughs> The other thing they do that, that I thought was interesting, I don't know that I liked it, but I thought it was interesting, which was after he deactivates the training wheels protocol, when you cut to his point of view, it feels like they're increasing the frame rate or the refresh rate somehow, whether it's the shutter speed or the frame rate. Um, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but it helps sell his his HUD, his little heads-up display that he's looking through. And I just thought that was an interesting way to, to go about it. Personally, I'd just rather stick with 24 frames a second. But they kind of carry over that that Iron Man idea here. With uh, l- instead of looking at Iron Man's face here, we're looking at through Spider-Man's eyes to see as he's seeing the world in his his own HUD. But they do give you the Iron Man view with uh, the Vulture um, a few times, and he's got those green eyes. And so when we look inside his mask, his face is lit with green. Um, which is, you know, smart continuity and they didn't over, over, you know, do it the way they do with Iron Man. We're constantly looking inside his face, uh, which is fine. I mean, it plays, it still, it still looks cool, even though I could literally build that in After Effects, um, in a couple hours. Uh, not because I'm just that good, but there's also tutorials out there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, okay. So I think that pretty much. Oh, you know what? There's one other thing they did in here that was excellent. Tell me, please. So, okay, I'll build up to it just a tiny bit. The I love the reveal on prom night of Vulture being Liz's dad. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was really clever. I definitely got the sense, of, based on the setup of that scene, you get the sense that Vulture's there. I'm thinking, how does he know he likes Liz and how... And he's captured her now. And then you just reveal that actually that's his dad. Uh, that's her dad because Liz is mixed this whole time. You know, she's light skinned, but you don't really think. And this is very endemic of America. One drop is the they call it the one drop principle. Like if you got one drop of non white blood in you, you're identified as black or, you know, some type of minority. Right. And I feel like we I definitely fell victim to that watching this movie because I just assumed that she was black this whole time. And then so that really helps cover up her her dad being the villain. Totally. Perfectly. Yeah. And they reveal it on that reverse shot. You know, you see his eyes kind of light up and then, you know, he opens the door and it's, you know, Michael Keaton had <laughs> the look at my notes. <laughs> it's a long night. It is. And so they, I love that they did that. I love that reveal and that Garcelle Bouveau is, uh, her mother who's, I think she's really talented. You know, I, I appreciate her getting a, a great role, even if it's a smaller role, but that's really says so much because as I thought about that, I looked up and didn't realize this entire cast is incredibly diverse. Like yeah. there are so oh, yeah. many shapes and sizes and colors of people um, in this film that I thought it was really smart and welcoming. Even though our two leads, uh, the hero and villain, are white, I love that they didn't just exhaust it and say, "Well, that means everyone has to be white." They were like, "No, we're in New York." You know, <laughs> that's a really good point. I didn't even think of that. And yeah. And that's what I love about it is like you never have to think about it. You just see all these people on screen. You accept these are friends. This white kid likes this mixed girl, and they're just surrounded by diversity. And I think that's a really great step in in the world. That's how you normalize race relations, I think, in in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you help you know minorities have people they can cheer for on screen. Like, yeah, you know, I can see myself being the love interest. I can see myself being the princess. I can see myself being the hero and the hero's uh, sidekick. Like, there's no reason that all these characters have to be so whitewashed. Yeah. Um, and so I just really, you know, hat tip and hopefully um, and even the henchmen's, you know, are the uh, the villains henchman his right hand man Bokeem Woodbine uh is is black you know yeah. I and he's a really 
really talented actor that I hope I get to see more of. Yeah, so just an incredibly diverse cast that I think goes too often undone, even in Marvel universes. Yeah. And whether you're going to say, oh, well, they only did it to, to draw in this audience and that audience, great. That's what you should be doing if you're not a – if you're not an idiot, <laughs> good catch. Yeah, I was, because it really upsets me whenever you you talk about being smart with your quadrants, as you know executives love to to go on about. You have your four quadrants. Like what are what is that? Uh, it's like your your, your demographic. Your oh, okay. we want this age range um, to help you know with this audience, and we want you need to have you know your love interest to help with this audience, and so it's just all this marketing BS. But if you're going to do it, do it honestly, because guess what? There's a whole, what, 40% of America or something crazy. You know, there's hundreds of millions of people out there who are dying to cheer for someone that looks like them yeah, and to identify with what they're seeing on screen. Yeah. And so, yeah, that should help you sell tickets and it's healthy for society. <laughs> like at what point are we like, how are we screwing this up so badly? So yeah, that's they my, did it well. Well yeah, said. I think so. I, I like think so. It. I could definitely do a whole episode of just on that. There's a special line in in Bullworth that, that oh, I, yeah. I love that I'm not going to repeat here. Okay. <laughs> so you have a recommendation for the week? I do. I do. Uh, my recommendation is Moonlight. Ooh. One best picture last year. God. Fantastic film. I saw it with you. Uh, I believe. Did I? See yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. In the theater for my birthday. Yep. Yeah. It, and it just blew me away. You talk about storytelling. Yeah, it's that's it's fantastic, and we are absolutely doing that film in the future. Absolutely, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, like, then everyone it's not scheduled, but well, then everyone should watch it. Yeah, get, so that get ready. they could listen to uh, when, to the episode when we do it. You know what I love about your recommendation is that that's the 2016 Best Picture winner. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the 2015 Best Picture winner is? Spotlight. Which is my Your recommendation. recommendation. Oh, <laughs> boom. Yeah, so if you love watching Michael Keaton here um, and you haven't seen Spotlight, go watch that film. Yeah. It's an incredible incredible film and just another part of his uh, resurgence as you know, an A-list and top-tier talent mm-hmm. because that's I think that's such an excellent film and important worth watching. content, too. Important content, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, go check out Spotlight. You know, I was really close to recommending several films because I was kind of going through Tom Holland's uh, library and I was like, Oh man, and the heart of the sea is really, really good. Oh Um, yeah, man. And he, he has a, you know, really good role in that. He also uh, is in the lost city of Z, which I really enjoyed. Um, Those are such good films, but at the end of it, I was like, you know what? No, it's all about Michael Keaton, baby. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Awesome. Sweet. Well, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to be doing Hateful Eight, ah, Quentin yes. Tarantino. All right, stoked to I'm do not, that. I'm not going to give any emotion so that no one knows what I think of this film. <laughs> it's very good concealing. You do st- not forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Okay, I'm sorry. Done. And you can see the show notes at thepestlepodcast.com/slash/spidermanhomecoming, which yeah. is a lot to type. So maybe just go to thepestlepodcast.com and find it. <laughs> It's well organized. Good call. I promise. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it is. I'll have some. I'll look for some interesting content to to link you to and make it worth your trip. But drop us a note. And like Todd said, if you have if you have something you want to tell us in mm-hmm. secret, you can whisper it like like your daughter likes to do. I got a secret. I got a secret. Here, let me tell you. I got a secret. <laughs> and kudos to you, man. Site looks amazing, dude. Thank you. Yeah, it's doing fun. Good. Yeah, you're doing great. I it's, appreciate it. Yeah, you make all of our, our crazy banter sound good and <laughs> and look good, too. Uh, all right, well, we'll leave you with a quote of the day. This one is from Stanley. Achilles, without his heel, you wouldn't even know his name today. So good. As, yep, yep. As Everybody's good as he was heel. as a warrior, right? Yep. It's your weaknesses sometimes that, that make you special. Yeah, I mean, even Superman has the has kryptonite. He has kryptonite. Got to have some kind of. You can't Achilles be perfect. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and so if you it, are, it's boring. 
It totally is. And even if it's not like a, a, a literal weakness like it is with Achilles, and I guess maybe this is actually what Stanley was talking about now that I'm chewing on it, uh, it it's your weaknesses uh, in character, your character flaws that make you just as interesting. And with Achilles, right, he, he there was a hubris and and thinking that he was invulnerable, you know, invincible, that he had no vul- vulnerabilities, and that became ultimately his Achilles heel, so to speak. Yeah, you know, his, it, it's a metaphor it. for his uh, his other weakness. And I think if you're going to create a good hero, and you're you you need to do so with the idea that. He's not Adam Sandler in every one of Adam Sandler's movies where he's just the perfect guy who can throw the perfect pass and he's just always on top of it. Like, think about what what are they missing? What are they lacking? And that's, I think, where the best writing is going to come from. Adam Sandler? Yeah, it just used to bother me so much watching his films that every time he would create a character, he was just the best. He's the best at whatever it is. Waterboy, right? He's just the best. Oh yeah, he's an idiot, but, but you know what? He's the high quality H two. Yeah, he's just he's gonna be mm-hmm. he's gonna hit the hardest, and he just didn't really have he never builds in any gotcha. interesting character flaws. Gotcha. Nuts. All right, guys. Until next week, we're gonna be doing Hateful Eight. Make sure you go watch it. I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. Mm-hmm.